the fog continues to roll in. The dark of night deepens until all is black. Ahead, a rocky shoal beckons where certain tragedy awaits. Your ship plows forward, pushed by the storm. Just as your hope begins to subside, you see it. The light from the lighthouse that guides you to safety. Faithfully kept by the lightkeeper. Hi friends, welcome to Lessons from the Lightkeeper, a special leadership development series on the Ed Leader Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Jackson. It's hard to believe that the 14th and final episode of this incredible series is here. The series, based on the book Talent is Never Enough by John Maxwell, has allowed us to reflect on our leadership, regardless of the work that we do every single day, regardless of the team we serve with, Regardless of our setting, I hope the reflections on the lessons from the Lightkeeper have made a difference in your growth as a leader, as it certainly has in mine. Each of the lessons have been powerful. I've appreciated the time that I've been able to spend reflecting on not only the chapters in the book by John Maxwell, but on my own leadership journey, particularly as it relates to each of the lessons. Today's lesson may be my favorite. Every single one has been impactful. Every single one has been powerful. But this is the lesson that really jives with my own career. It's where I see myself at my best, and that's a bit ironic. You see, today's lesson is teamwork multiplies the light. And so when I say It's the lesson where I see myself at the strongest, but it's a lesson on team and not individual. Perhaps that is ironic, but it's absolutely true. I know about myself that I'm at my best when I'm part of a team, when I'm working with others. In this particular lesson, John Maxwell starts the lesson out with a Rocky Balboa quote. Now, my Rocky impression may not be great, But the quote comes from Rocky Balboa when he describes his relationship with his soon-to-be wife, Adrian, his then-girlfriend, as, I got gaps. She's got gaps. But together, we got no gaps. Okay, yeah, that was a horrible Rocky Balboa impression. I completely get it. But what a powerful thought when we start to talk about teamwork. I've got gaps. You have gaps. But together, we have no gaps. When we have the opportunity to build our teams and have the foresight to reflect on our own weaknesses and to find teammates who have strengths where we are weak, well, the team has no gaps. John Maxwell goes on to talk about one of the finest examples of teamwork that he could come up with, and that's the launching of a fighter jet from a carrier. And as he wrote about that, I reflected on my own experience with just that. You see, right out of high school, I joined the United States Navy. My dad had been in the Navy during the Vietnam War. My granddad, his dad, had been in the Army Air Corps. And so it was a tradition in our family. I found myself on the USS Iwo Jima. The ship was a helicopter carrier and from time to time hosted Harrier jets, And so I had the opportunity to observe firsthand what John Maxwell describes in terms of the jet and the work that goes into the jet being able to take off well before the jet actually takes off from the ship's surface. 
He talks about hours before the jet actually taxis to the catapult for launching, it being inspected by a team of mechanics and technicians from the aircraft squadron. While the pilots receiving a briefing on the mission, including weather, target information, radio procedures, and navigational information, all of which are produced by teams of sailors, the aircraft is going through an equally rigorous period of preparation. Thirty minutes before the aircraft takes off, the aircraft carrier's airboss calls for engine starts, a test to make certain that the engines, the jets, are in proper working order, while the pilot runs through pre-taxi checks. The aircraft's plane captain is listening to the engines and watching the movement of each control surface as the pilot does his checks. Once it's determined that everything's okay, the aircraft is then topped off with fuel by a crew from the carrier's fuels division. Meanwhile, the aircraft handling officer is seated in the flight deck control and is using a tabletop model of the carrier's flight deck with scale models of the individual aircraft to keep track of everything. He reviews the launch sequence plan with the deck caller. The aircraft handling officer radios the deck caller, telling him which aircraft are reported to be up and ready to taxi. The deck caller leads three separate teams of plane directors and other sailors from the carrier's flight deck division, and each team is responsible for different areas of the flight deck. These teams ensure that each aircraft to be launched is safely unchained, directed around other parked aircraft, sometimes with only inches of clearance, put in line to be launched, sometimes as the deck of the carrier is pitching and rolling. When the deck caller gets the word from the aircraft handling officer, he leads the plane directors to distribute the aircraft among the four catapults, facilitating the fastest possible departure of all the aircraft from the flight deck. As the time of the launch approaches, the directors bring each aircraft to the throat of the catapult. Final maintenance checkers walk alongside the aircraft and inspect each panel and component as crew members from the catapult and arresting gear division hook the aircraft up to the catapult mechanism and ready it for launch. Below deck, other teams are using hydraulics and other equipment to control steam from the nuclear reactor that's used to power the catapult. At this time, ordnance personnel arm the aircraft's weapons. The catapult officer then confirms the weight of the aircraft with the pilot. He makes note of the wind over the deck and the ambient conditions. He performs calculations to determine the precise amount of energy needed to achieve flight. Even with all this preparation, no jet would be able to take off if the ship weren't in the proper position. The ship's navigational team, which makes calculations to determine the required speed and heading, has relayed information to the bridge, and by now the ship has completed its turn and has accelerated to proper speed on its directed course. The aircraft is almost ready for launch. The catapult officer signals to the operators that the aircraft is hydraulically tensioned into the catapult. If the pilot determines that the aircraft is ready for flight, he signals the catapult officer by saluting him. If the catapult officer also receives a thumbs up from the squadron's final checker, he then gives the fire signal to the catapult operator, who depresses the fire button and sends the aircraft on its way. As I thought back to what I had observed on the USS Iwo Jima, I also thought about all of the work that goes in well before that, when teams of sailors and officers join together, shoulder to shoulder, to walk the flight deck to ensure that there wasn't some loose screw or debris on the deck that might damage one of the aircraft engines. When we think about the fighter jet pilot, we sometimes see just the pilot and think what an amazing person and what an amazing job it is that they do. And that's true, but it's also true. They could not do their job without these dozens of people who are absolutely involved in just the launching of the plane, which is to say nothing about all those who are involved in tracking the plane and sending information while the plane is actually flying or 
the people who were involved with designing the plane or building the plane. Truly, it's teamwork that creates the conditions to allow that jet fighter pilot to achieve his or her mission. Today's lesson is built on five teamwork truths. Number one, teamwork divides the effort and multiplies the effect. Mother Teresa says, none of us, including me, ever do great things, but we can all do small things with great love, and together we can do something wonderful. Helen Keller also said, alone we can do so little, together we can do so much. Teamwork divides the effort and multiplies the effect. The second teamwork truth is talent wins games, but teamwork wins championships. One of my sons, his name is Joshua. He's a sports broadcaster, and in my father's eyes, he's the very best sports broadcaster ever. I love watching him on TV as he does play-by-play or listening to the podcast of his daily radio show. He and I have had a years-old ongoing debate, one that we both passionately engage in. And the debate is over who is the greatest NBA player ever. And perhaps our answers really reflect our generation. But he will tell me quite passionately that LeBron James is the greatest NBA player ever. And I appreciate his passion. I appreciate the numbers he shares, but I disagree with his assertion. You see, I believe that Michael Jordan is the greatest NBA player ever. What do I base that on? Well, Michael Jordan is a six-time NBA champion, a six-time NBA Finals Most Valuable Player, a five-time NBA Most Valuable Player for the season, a 14-time NBA All-Star, the NBA Defensive Player of the Year, a nine-time NBA All-Defensive First Team member. He was the NBA Rookie of the Year, a 10-time NBA Scoring Champion, a three-time NBA Steals Leader, a two-time NBA Slam Dunk Contest Champion a three-time Associated Press Athlete of the Year, the Sports Illustrated Sportsperson of the Year. As a collegiate athlete, he was an NCAA champion, the Consensus National College Player of the Year in 1984, two-time Consensus First Team All-American. He was the ACC Player of the Year, two-time First Team All-ACC Team Member, the ACC Rookie of the Year. He was a two-time USA Basketball Male Athlete of the Year, a McDonald's All-American as a high school basketball player, a two-time Olympic gold medalist in 1984 as a collegiate and 1982 as a member of the Dream Team. All of that seems to indicate, to me at least, that he's the greatest basketball player of all time. Even my son, who thinks that LeBron James has earned that recognition, still contends Michael Jordan is one of the finest basketball players ever. One of the finest individual basketball players ever. And yet, Michael Jordan says this, Talent wins games, but teamwork and intelligence win championships. One of, if not the greatest basketball player ever, recognized that it takes teamwork to win championships, and he won six of them. Teamwork multiplies the light. The third teamwork truth is that teamwork is not about you. Charles Darwin says, It is the long history of humankind that those who learn to collaborate and improvise most effectively have prevailed. Together, teams accomplish what individuals can't. The true measure of a leader is getting people 
to work together, which leads right into the fourth teamwork truth. Great teams create community. Henry Ford says, coming together is a beginning, staying together is progress, and working together is success. All effective teams create an environment where relationships grow and teammates become connected to one another. They create a sense of community. That environment of community is based on trust. If I don't have trust in my teammates, well, we're not a team. I need to trust that they're going to do their part while I do my part. On good teams, trust is a non-negotiable. Team members hold themselves to a higher standard because we're working together. When everyone gives freely and bonds of trust develop and are tested over time, teammates begin to have faith in one another. They believe the person next to them will act with consistency, keep commitments, maintain confidences, and support others. The stronger the sense of community becomes, the greater their potential to work and achieve together becomes. Developing a sense of community in a team does not mean there's no conflict. All teams experience disagreements. All relationships have tension. When a team shares a strong sense of community, though, team members can resolve conflicts without dissolving relationships. The fifth teamwork truth is adding value to others adds value to you. And Vala Van Sant says the way to achieve your own success is to be willing to help somebody else get it first. Napoleon Hill said, It's literally true that you can succeed best and quickest by helping others to succeed. If you desire to succeed, then live by these four simple words, John Maxwell says, Add value to others. Wouldn't that be the most perfect epitaph on our tombstone? He added value to others. She added value to others. How powerful. Each of us have a choice to make. Do our own thing and get all the credit or do the team thing and share it. I would propose that doing the team thing allows you to achieve greater success than you could ever achieve by yourself. If you desire to grow in your ability to encourage and sustain teamwork, John Maxwell would say there's some things you need to do. The first is to buy into the law of significance. The law of significance states that one is too small a number to achieve greatness. It takes all of us. He goes on to say that you should include a team in your dream. One of my sons who I've written about and shared with and has actually been on the podcast with me, Elijah, played basketball And in high school, his basketball team achieved more in terms of going further in the playoffs than the team had achieved in over 20 years. As a proud dad, I was there at the senior banquet. Each of the seniors received their jersey framed, and they had the opportunity to stand in front of the assembled group of parents and players from the team and coaches and all those who were there for this banquet and to share their reflections on their time together. As each one shared, I marveled that not once did they talk about what they had individually accomplished. Instead, I listened as teammate after teammate named their teammates and spoke specifically to what others on the team did that led to this team accomplishing so much. As my son Elijah stood there and he began to talk, I knew all the things that he had accomplished as a basketball player, but I was so proud as I listened to him talk about 
his coaches and the members of his team and what they had done to help him grow. Truly, including a team in our dream allows us to accomplish our dreams. John Maxwell says, if we are a leader on a team, then we must make it our goal to develop our teammates, to help them grow as individuals, to help them grow as leaders. All credit that's received, we should always give that credit for success to the team. In the book, Good to Great by Jim Collins, he points out that leaders of the best organizations, what he calls level five leaders, are characterized by humility and a tendency to avoid the spotlight. When things don't go well, take more than your fair share of the blame. And when things go very well, give all of the credit away. In this series, we've had the opportunity to talk through 13 lessons. We talked about belief and passion, initiative, focus, preparation, practice, and perseverance. We talked about courage, teachability, and character. We discussed relationships and responsibility. And today we've talked about teamwork. Each of those are choices in terms of our choosing to grow in those areas. Never forget that the choices you make in the end make you. Those choices allow us to shine the light brighter, to make a greater difference, to add value to others in a more powerful way. My friends, I want to say thank you to you for making such a difference in so many lives. Keep shining the light. Thank you for listening to the Ed Leader Podcast. Please subscribe to the podcast and consider leaving a review with five stars on Apple Podcasts so that we may continue to grow the Ed Leader community. We hope that you have enjoyed your time with Dr. Jackson. Until next time.